I'll start off talking about Big Bell because that's when I can remember. I was born in Kew and we lived at Big Bell and then the war started while we are at Big Bell and uh, that was run by the Americans, which was quite amazing because they used to bring stuff out to their people and the things they brought out from America stunned us. My brothers and I used to go through houses, not when people lived in them, but when a house was vacant and the new people were coming out, we'd go and have a look at the stuff that had been brought out. And it was my first indication of toilet paper. We had never seen it. And these people from America bought out toilet paper. What did you use instead? We used to cut up the paper mm. and put it on a string and have it behind the door. Yeah. And the toilets were da- cut jo- cut lunch and a bike job down the backyard. You didn't have toilets in the house. But these people brought out toilet paper. I can't remember in the houses that they had whether they had um, flush toilets. I, I can't remember that. I just know this toilet paper amused us. And at one house, and I did steal something, I always felt bad about it, marbles. There was a big bag of very posh marbles. And this was during the war when there's no way you could buy things like that when I was a kid. And we used to play marbles if we could get them. And my brothers and I, I think the whole, we shared them. (laughs) And we took the marbles. We didn't think that was a bad thing to do. (laughs) And another thing we used to do there, um, I can remember doing with my brothers, is um, we'd catch crows because they'd come into our chookyard and steal our eggs until our father caught us. And we used to get two and tie string to their legs and let them fly and see them wrap themselves around a tree. (laughs) And Dad caught us doing it and that was the end of that game. (laughs) So it was quite quite an interesting place to be, Big Bell, because it had the first um, Olympic-sized pool, I think, made in Australia, was in Big Bell. The Yanks made it and and that's where I learned to swim. I was only three and... um, I used to swim in that pool, but my father wouldn't let me swim down the deep end. And he said to me, uh, if I could swim the length of the pool and back, I could then go go off the diving board like the boys did. Um, I did that, but I wasn't allowed to do that. (laughs) I was very annoyed. And then when my girls were young, we went to Big Bell and went to the pool it was empty, of course, and, and uh, unused and everything else. But we could see the uh, um, veranda around the pool. And as kids, we used to take time off school and go to that pool when it was shut and climb out up onto that thing and dive in the pool. And do you know there was enough room from about my window to where my garden is? And we used to dive over that. I nearly died when I saw it. I thought if my kids did it, I'd kill them. Mm. But that's what we used to do. It, it was closed. It was only open at certain times. And that was a luxury in Australia, that pool. And uh, that's where we learned to swim <laughs> because the Yanks had it. And they used to, all the men that they came off shift, 
they all had to go through, um, um, I don't know what they had, but they could tell whether they had any gold on them because it was deep shafts and that and they could tell whether they were stealing any gold. So I'm not sure how they could tell, but I'm not sure whether they had to change their clothes, but this had to go on and they came back. And so it was a very important place. And then of course it closed down when the war was on. And I think that's how some of these houses became vacant. And uh, I'm not quite sure about that, but they bought things out from America that we'd never seen. And, and <laughs> another thing, they shifted the houses up nearer the mines. And at first we lived in Big Bell in the townhouses where all the shops and everything was. And then Dad got promoted and we went up to the mines and we'd have to come down in a bus, which was very good with the bus. But my brothers worked out this chap that used to drive it was a bit fat and they worked out how they could put screw up the seat and screw him into the bus <laughs> and things like this. Oh, we used to get up to all sorts of things. There wasn't the things to do that you kids today can do, but we had our own fun. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> oh, we really did. And we had a car which was very unusual because most of the cars were taken for the war effort. I don't know whether they were used as cars or, or what, but they must have been used as cars because our car was not suitable. So Dad still had his um, Ford, Ford V8, and it had running boards and that, and we used to go places and do things in it. And we went from Big Bell to Meriden in that car Dad had made it into a ute, I think, by then. I can't remember when he made it into a ute. But we travelled during that time because he was man-powered, which they did... Uh, he had to do what the government said during the war years and man-powered to this place called Chandler, which was a place that they got gypsum out of the lake, which helped make to go make aluminium for the planes, for the war effort. And he was man-powered to do that and sent up there. And we had to travel all that way on back roads. There wasn't any sealed roads or anything. And every town, he had to report to the police and they would have another tyre or, or petrol or something for him. And we kids thought it was marvellous. It must have been horrible for him four kids to transport all that way with on all these back roads, gravel roads, which weren't even um, designated roads. So this was during World War Two. Yeah, yeah, this was for World War Two, And we had to go and do that. And uh, it was quite a responsibility. And we thought it was great because we were camping out. But we also, when we hit a town, we were into a hotel and to us that was marvellous these hotels very few and you know you never saw hotels and they would have staircases no lifts or anything like that but we would be in there and in their bedrooms and fed and everything else so it was rather marvellous for us <laughs> but it was just different 
And at Big Bell, we even had, um, uh, what do you call them? air aid shelters, because um, we had two days. We had to go down the air aid shelters when the Japs came down to bomb Broome. And uh, so, you know, I can remember being down in the air raid shelters, but the boys used to steal cigarettes, I don't know where, I was too young for the cigarettes, but the boys, not, not just my brothers, big boys. How, old, town. Were you, how old were your brothers when they were twins? <clears throat> well, we left Big Bell when I was, I think, about seven. So Owen would have been about 12, 14, I think, and he was the oldest. And they would be do what boys do, steal cigarettes and go and smoke them down the air raid shelters. I can remember that. But um, we didn't realise, or I don't think I knew, that when those planes came down, what it was all about. We just knew that the we were sent to the air raid shelters because they were bombing Broome. <coughs> You know, and these things just happened, uh, and that was part of our life. And you didn't have things like you have now. Uh, and the camel used to come in um, and bring goods. There was actually a railway station there, mm. and when we were down the town, we could see the railway station from our house. But also, the main hotel was there, and this camel train used to come. I don't know how often, but I remember him coming. He used to come pretty pretty regular, I, I suppose. He'd come a few times a year. And I can remember going over and watching this man with his camels this day, and I was sucking my thumb. And I've never forgotten this. And I mustn't have been at school because... It was a, and. and he showed me his thumb <laughs> that was gone to about here, which he must have cut off at some time in an accident. And he showed me and he said, that's what happened to my thumb because I sucked it and I don't think I ever sucked my thumb again. <laughs> because, you know, he was an African camel man and, and they used to come up pretty often and they bought all sorts of things, uh, clothing, um, cooking things, Things that you just couldn't buy because there was no way of getting them to it. Um, and he used to come up, oh, pretty often we'd see him arrive and he'd have all these things and it was really quite exciting to go over and have a look at what he had because he had all sorts of things hanging there because we didn't have shops like you've got today that you can go into and see these cooking things and saucepans and things like this. And he'd have them, and, and that was, I think, pretty interesting. Um, and also, I think, thinking about lollies, you couldn't get very many lollies. And once a week, um, one of the shopkeepers used to make ice cream. He had an ice cream churn, and he'd get us kids. We'd go and and wind it for him. <laughs> it was quite hard work and then we could have an ice cream and we used to get spending money and for a penny which you don't have today but I've got plenty of pennies in my pantry um, 
we could get 16 little lolly balls that would last us just about the week if you were careful with them. They were the, the main things that I can remember buying with a penny. And, it, it, you know, to get a penny spending money was pretty pretty good, and which was... Uh, it took six pennies, which would be equal to your five cents today. So six pennies. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the lollies. And the films used to come once a week. They would come up and show films. I don't know where they came from. But, and everyone went. And that was the same at Chandler. When Dad, that's where Dad got manpower to. And that was in the hall. The hall was also the schoolroom. And everything happened in the hall. But everyone went. You took your own deck chairs and you, or whatever you wanted to sit on, and you all went. And that's how you were uh, amused. And if there's a dance on, everyone went. And the kids all went. And in the room uh, attached to it, kids would be laid out on mattresses to, to sleep while everyone danced. But everyone in the town went. It wasn't just someone went, everyone went because everyone worked on the hall floor and made it slippery. And so this was our life, was quite different to what you have today. As you, you had nothing to go to and whatever was on, everyone went to. It's the same as, um, as we got older and the tennis courts were made. All kids learnt tennis as well from a very early age. I, I must have learnt tennis about eight, eight years old, I suppose, because we learnt it at school. These things happened at school. You didn't have to pay extra money for. They were expected at school. Like Everyone played cricket, girls as well, football and everything. You just learnt it. And as I said, we... Uh, had the tennis and and that just happened so it was quite a different life to what you have today mm. the kids have got to be put into that stream and people pay money for today yeah. this just happened and uh, our teacher in Chandler was an older man who had retired I think because all teachers young people were sent to war and he came and taught us, but he had, I think, 40-odd children in his schoolroom and they went from infants, which was the first year you went to school, was the year you turned six. Didn't matter what time of the year you turned six. If you were turning six that year, you went to school. And this teacher had that age group up to... Um, us, there was in the end there was three of us doing high school work. I think for our leaving, which would be the years you were working to go to uni if you were going. Mm. Uh, so we had what we called infants to high school and to leaving standard, and you would be doing your leaving standard by correspondence. But he had that range to teach and so he had a very uh, definite curriculum that he followed and he taught us a lot of things, lots of things about the weather 
and how to do things that you wouldn't get at school today, but how to live. And we had days that um, the Red Cross, some of the ladies would come in and we'd be taught to knit because everyone had to knit socks and scarves and um, things for the soldiers' heads that were sent away. So everyone learned to knit. That's just was a part of growing up. Mm. And that so was, you know, quite educational. And I think it was good for us. And we didn't ever see fruit. That was something you didn't get or fish or anything like that because we were in the bush. Mm. But the butcher killed the meat and it was always fresh meat and killed so we didn't have all the preservatives you have today. As an older lady, I look at all the troubles that mothers have with their children, with allergies and all that sort of thing. And I think a lot is to do with what you eat because everything's grown with different sorts of... Um, chemicals? Yeah, chemicals sprayed on them and preservatives in things that you eat. You didn't have any of that. We would go out, the men would go out and kill a kangaroo. Mm. They had fresh meat. We'd trap rabbits. My brothers and I used to trap rabbits and we'd sell them. At one stage, I think it was two shillings a pair, which was two shillings, 20 cents. Yeah. And we'd have orders and we'd go out and, and get them. Uh, and I used to do most of the cleaning because I enjoyed that. Um, I used to like to skin the rabbits and clean them out. As I had hoped, um, I'd be a doctor. I just, that was one of my dreams. And then I wanted to be a nurse because I realised that there's no way I could go and be a doctor. Um, my father didn't think that girls should be educated to that level, <laughs> definitely. So it just made a different way of learning and... Um, Shoes, everyone handed things down. Most of the time you didn't wear shoes because you couldn't buy any. They weren't there to buy. And so everything was handed down. And uh, the boys hardly ever wore shoes. And my father made me wear shoes because I was a girl. And, and because I was little, um, people grew out of their things and I had them handed to me. So there was always enough for me around. And... You know, it just was very, very interesting what we learnt to do. We had um, didn't have fridges. That was another very exciting thing when the ice men came every week and you'd all have an ice chest and the ice man used to come and he'd have his ice pick and he'd have these big blocks of ice. If yours was a small one, it cut in half and, and you know, you had ice. So it was quite exciting after the war when things like um, radios and, and refrigerators started to come out and we got electricity. That was another exciting thing when you didn't have lamps and candles to have electricity. Uh, it's just uh, very exciting and I can remember us getting our first fridge and how exciting that was, because I had to go into the town on the truck that went into town once a week 
and Dad had booked for me to go and our fridge was due and he gave me the money to pay for the fridge and but he told me don't give the money to the man till you see the fridge loaded onto the truck because evidently fridges were being ordered and farmers had more money than most people and if they went in and saw a fridge they would offer the, the man in the shop more money and they'd take the fridge home and you wouldn't. And so my father told me I was not to hand the money over and it was £120. I can remember that. £120. Um, I can't tell you what that is, dollars and cents today. But it was a lot of money. You wouldn't pay... The amount of money that we paid then, you wouldn't pay for a fridge today. Do you know how much your father earned each week? No, no idea. He was a shift boss, so he had a very good um, wage. I have no idea what he earned. But it was £120, and I can remember the truck driver and this shopkeeper trying to assure me that it would go on the on the truck. But I know now they wanted to load the truck differently. They didn't want to put the fridge on then, but I wouldn't give them the money. And I think they would have liked to have dug a hole and put me in it and buried me. <laughs> but I just, because I was very little, um, at, I would have been about 14 then, I think. But I was probably um, only looked about 10 or 12 because I was very tiny for my age. And uh, I just wouldn't hand it over till I saw them put it on the, on the truck. My dad had told me, don't hand the money over till you see it on the truck. <laughs> I remember the argument. But when we got home to Chandler, because it was a 32-mile trip on rough roads, not good roads at all, um, and my father and, the, and brothers took, the, took it out and plugged it in and were timing how long it took for ice to form on the ice box. And that, you know, was very, very exciting for us to have that. And that, it was called a Snow Queen. And we had that at my father's beach house when my babies were born. It was at my father's beach house, that old Snow Queen. Don't ask me what make... It was today, I have no idea, but was called a Snow Queen. And it was still going when Dad had the beach house and the, and the girls were born, because I, you know, had them all, we used to go to the beach house. And so it was a, a they're just things that you take for granted today. People mm. didn't have washing machines. Uh, and as I said then, you didn't have electricity. Everyone had lamps. It was just a part of life. That you, you know, I can remember having to uh, trim the lamps properly and if you wanted to do homework at night, you'd sit at the kitchen table, sit around it, and the lamps would be lit and you'd do homework mm -hmm. that way. So it was um, very different, but I think it was a very good life. You did everything together 
and you'd only have sort of the one light. You didn't have lamps in every room. You just had a main lamp and everyone would do everything in that room. If you played a game or cards or anything else, you played it in that room. Mm. And my dad, and I don't know where he got it from, he did have a wireless, I can remember that, but he ran it. A wireless radio? A wireless. It was a radio, but a wireless because they had valves in Mm. them. Uh, that's some reason why they were called wireless, because something to do with the valves in it. And um, he had a car battery and he could run it off a car battery. So this was before electricity and we could hear things, um, news. You know, you didn't run it a lot because you, you just didn't have the power to run it. But it was very interesting, the fact that we had the car and Dad would rig up this wireless. It's not everyone had a car and not everyone had a, um, a wireless. So these were, made us a bit different to other people. And if Dad was going somewhere, if he was going to go into town, you only did that a couple of times a year. And then everyone would want to go with you and people would be packed into the vehicle, you know, just, you wouldn't have been allowed to go along the road like it today, but everyone went. Uh, so p- the rare times we went to places like Muck and Boodin to play golf, the car would be loaded and everyone would bring uh, something to put in the petrol tank. It might be shellite or methylated spirits. They used to mix it up and you, uh, had to clean out the carburetor quite a bit because it would clog up because of these different mixtures that used to be in it. But the old vehicles used to go along and uh, do that and because everyone piled in and that's what happened because very few vehicles were around. The local uh, um, village, Chandler Village, had the truck that went in I can't remember. I don't think they went into Meriden every day. I know went in at least twice a week and that's how everything came out to Chandler, mm. was by that truck. Mm. 